Andrew continues to live on. How have we dealt with this? I'm not going to lie to you. It has been extremely painful because Andrew was like the glue that held our family together. We said we're a family of four and, and we're tight and, and we're so fortunate. And to have that kind of loss, my son's bedroom has, is unchanged from 2007. I walk into that room every morning when I'm home and every night before I go to bed. And I miss Andrew and Chris does and Allie does. And I talk to him. I carry his picture with me every day. I wear a, a, a cross that he wore every day. On the show today, Joe McDonough, the president of the Andrew McDonough Be Positive Foundation. He's here to talk about the mission of the foundation and the memory of his son, Andrew McDonough, who passed away tragically at the age of 14 years old from cancer. You're listening to the Run Your Life Podcast with host Andy Vasily. In today's episode, Joe McDonough and I have a deep and moving conversation about his son, Andrew, who at the age of 14 years old lost his battle with cancer in 2007. And since that time, Joe has devoted his life to keeping Andrew's spirit alive through their Be Positive Foundation. In Joe's own words, the Andrew McDonough Be Positive Foundation honors the memory of Andrew, a 14-year-old athlete and A student from Wilmington, Delaware. January 27, 2007, Andrew helped lead his team to victory in a Pennsylvania State Championship soccer tournament. Within 48 hours, he was in cardiac arrest. The diagnosis was AML leukemia. The prognosis was grim. In fact, doctors didn't expect Andrew to live through the night. Amazingly, Andrew fought for 167 days before going to heaven on July 14, 2007. So in reading those words to you, I can't help but be pulled back to the conversation I had with Joe. And in our conversation today, Joe shares many touching memories of his son, Andrew. Joe also talks about the process he has gone through grieving the loss of his son and the mission of their Be Positive Foundation, which is the largest provider of financial assistance to families of kids with cancer in the U.S., helping nearly 3,000 families each year. What Joe says is this. After spending 167 days living with Andrew in the hospital, we understand all too well how important it is to be with your critically ill child. For most of us, that means jobs, bills, and life outside the hospital come second. Unfortunately, we still have to find a way to pay those bills. That is why we provide financial help for kids with cancer through the Be Positive Foundation Family Assistance Program. Our program gives qualified families money for expenses that are attributable to their child's cancer diagnosis. The goal of the program is to lessen the financial burden so families can focus on helping their children get well. 
Full disclosure here, Joe's story is very touching and certainly triggered me emotionally. I had a hard time keeping it together at points in our conversation. You will see for yourself as you listen to this that Joe is a deeply compassionate person and you will really feel this in the words that he shares. I first learned of Joe's story as I did my research for my last episode with Cal Fussman. Joe was on Cal's Big Questions podcast, and that is where I first heard his story. I was so moved by the story that I reached out to Joe immediately after hearing him on Cal's podcast to invite him on my own podcast. And in speaking of my own podcast, it's always been a passion project of mine. And although there are many expenses that I pay out of pocket to keep this podcast going, I've never asked for money from my listeners and I never intend to. Even though I do not have a patron page, I am putting a very special request out there to everyone who's listening right now. If my podcast has helped you in any way, or if you have found value in it, I would love to ask you to do this very special favor for me. After listening to my episode with Joe, it would mean the world to me to have you head over to his website at www.bepositive.org slash ways hyphen to hyphen give. So that's be positive, B-E p-o-s-i-t-i-v-e dot org slash ways hyphen to hyphen give so if you can head over there and make a donation to support the foundation i would greatly appreciate it and if you're on twitter please look up the foundation it can be found at b positive fdn and let them know you heard joe's story on my podcast and donated to their cause. I told Joe that I would be putting this request out to my listeners. As well, please share this episode with anyone who you feel will benefit from listening to it. The more people we can get to listen to this episode, the more possibilities of donations going their way. As always, thanks for your precious time and energy and for listening to my podcast. And with that, Let's jump right into my discussion with the inspiring Joe McDonough. Okay, Joe, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast. And the reason why you are on my podcast is that I was listening to somebody I, I'm a big fan of, Cal Fussman, uh, his Big Questions podcast. And it was a, a few weeks ago when I came across your episode with Cal. And it was such a touching episode. And I, I've lost two brothers, one to suicide, one to drug addiction. And I've had to learn to really grapple with the grief uh, of their loss. And when I heard your story, I couldn't, you know, I can't imagine what your journey has been like. But just for the sake of listeners now, can you just uh, provide a bit of context who you are, uh, where you're from, and the work that you now do, and then we'll lead into the story of of your son, Andrew. Sure, absolutely. My name is Joe McDonough, and my favorite title is Allie and Andrew's Dad. I'm a guy that lives in Wilmington, Delaware, and my wife and I have two children. Back in 2007, we had what I thought was the perfect life. 
Uh, our two kids just love each other. They're good students, very involved in sports. Our weeks were busy. It's what I wanted for my family. And on a Saturday, Andrew at 14 helped his travel soccer team win a Pennsylvania State Championship. And two days later, we took him to the hospital thinking that he might have appendicitis. That day he was diagnosed with leukemia. And unlike most kids with cancer that go in and out of the hospital, Andrew's condition deteriorated very fast. He then went into septic shock and then went into cardiac arrest, all within the span of hours on that first day. So on a Saturday, I'm watching my son lead his team to a state championship. 48 hours later, I'm standing next to my son's bed in the ICU, and I watch the life go out of his body. And they push us out of the room, and then, you know, all hell breaks loose, and, and they, they pound on Andrew's chest, and, and, and they bring him back to life. And I asked the doctor, I said, is my son going to be okay? And he looked me in the eye and said, your son will not live through the night. And I looked at him and I said, only God and Andrew knows. And my son battled for the next 166, what we call bonus days. He had almost 50 operations, four strokes, a brain aneurysm. We never left the hospital. Four times they told us he wasn't going to survive. And on July 14, 2007, after everything my courageous son went through, I watched Andrew die in his 16-year-old sister's arms. Andrew asked me two weeks before we went into the hospital, out of the blue, we're just hanging out. He said, Dad, what's my blood type? I said, I didn't know. We found out on day two, Andrew's blood type was B positive. There's no connection between B positive blood and childhood cancer, but it's just so fitting because that's the way my boy lived. And so Allie, Andrew's 16-year-old sister at the time, started drawing posters on the door. And it said, don't come to this room unless you're going to be positive. And this was pre-Instagram, Twitter world. And we had over 900,000 hits on our website all around the world. People were in our corner and supporting us to be positive. And so, unfortunately, uh, for a reason I will never know, my son was stolen from us by cancer at the age of 14. And that led me to lead, leave my career with the blessing of my wife and daughter. And I left JP Morgan Chase and we started the Andrew McDonough Be Positive Foundation to be that support system and blessing for other families. Yeah. And in hearing your story on, on Cal's podcast and hearing it from you uh, in person, it, I have a quote from your website that I want to read about Andrew, if it's okay. Sure. And and I just want to know more about him just to to learn more about him. But what you say is people will never understand how complex Andrew was. Many people saw him one way, maybe as a funny kid or an athletic kid or a spirited kid. But many people didn't know about the tremendous kindness that Andrew showed, the sensitivity, the intelligence and passion for doing well in school and so many other things. For one, while Andrew was a super active kid, there was a part of him that loved getting dressed up. In this picture, and there's a picture on your website of him wearing a suit as a, a six-year-old, which is an awesome <laughs> photo. But in this picture, Andrew was six years old and insisted on going in business attire to a gathering at my brother's house. And while I am biased, I think he rocked it. <laughs> so that just gives us a little snapshot more into Andrew. You know, when when he was um, going through that 166 days, I know that a lot of times he was probably not fully present 
but um, did he share anything with you during those days? And, and just what do you want people to, to know about him to go a little deeper? Well, I appreciate that question because Andrew was very complex and people saw him as we often see people one dimensionally. We think of them a certain way. And Andrew what, had so many facets to him. The one thing I would love to touch on is you talked about the kindness. And Andrew was a really nice kid. Nice is a word I think that we don't appreciate. It, it seems almost like a backhanded compliment when someone calls you nice. Andrew was a nice kid. He wasn't perfect. Believe me, when he was a little kid, we went through so many babysitters, we couldn't keep them. <laughs> um, but as he got older, so I came home from work. He was a freshman in high school and just started at this school. And my wife said, Andrew wants to take, wants you to take him to this sporting goods store. And I kind of shook my head because we, you should see our garage. We have all kinds of sporting equipment. And I'm thinking, what does he poss could he possibly need? At tryouts that day for soccer, there was a young man from a, a, a lower income inner city area near the school. And that young man didn't have spikes on the practice in sneakers. And Andrew said, I could tell he was embarrassed. So Andrew said, I want to go to the sporting goods store and I want to buy him a pair of spikes. And Andrew brought his own money. We walked into that store and I'll be honest with you. I went to this clearance bin in the front. And dad, he goes, no, dad, we're, we're going back there. And he pointed to, to where the full price things were. Yeah. He bought a pair of really expensive, nice bikes for this boy. A boy he did not know other than the fact that he was now a classmate. I don't even know if he knew his name. And he brought those bikes to the boy the next day. Amazing. And that just speaks to the kind of young man he was. He was the kind of kid that set goals and... If you told him something, you know, like a teenage boy, you might think it went in one ear and out the other, but it didn't. He really tried to be a better version of himself. There's an expression at his high school, be who you are and be that well. It's from a St. Francis de Sales. And, and he really embraced that long before he went to that school of trying to be the best version of himself. And uh, we need more people like Andrew McDonough. And I miss, I miss his presence. I miss his friendship. You know, when he was four years old, let's say, if you had asked me, would I say, I would I love, did I love him? Of course I loved him. I would have jumped in front of a bus for him. But when he was 14 mm -hmm. and we would do things together and he would sometimes, his friends would ask him to go somewhere. He goes, no, my dad and I are going to do this. And, 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 I had that kind of relationship with him, but guess what? Allie had that kind of relationship with him as his big sister. And Chris had that same kind of, uh, uh, not same kind, a, a, a similarly unique and special, but different relationship as his mom. And he just had that magic that pulled people in that when we had the, the visitation where people paid their respects the night before the celebration of life, we stood there and received visitors for six hours. And we had people come up to us, young men who said, oh, yeah, Andrew is my best friend. And I'd look at the kid. I didn't know who the kid was. And we knew all of Andrew's friends. But that showed me Andrew made a connection with people. It, there was just a kindness. One day, if I can tell, if I can share another story. Please, yeah. After Andrew died, we received a, a, 
a note from a mom. And please, folks, don't wait till someone dies to share the great stories. Do it today. But it's better than not having it all. So I get this note, and it says, during kickball gym class in eighth grade, Andrew was captain, and he got to pick first. And what did he do? He picked her son. Her son was the kid that always got picked last. And so I can picture that boy standing in the middle of the gym, looking at all the other eighth graders, feeling so special. Andrew didn't do that to improve his odds of winning the game. No one's going to remember who won that game of kickball. But I guarantee you that boy, even if he doesn't remember the name Andrew McDonough, will remember how it felt standing in the middle of the gym floor being picked first. And Andrew sent a message to his classmates because I'm sure when he picked that boy, all of Andrew's buddies probably had this strange look like, what's he doing that for? He gave them license to do that as well. Yeah. And who knows what ripples in the pond came as a result of that. Do you feel that his kind spirit was a hugely contributing factor to your family getting through that incredibly difficult time? Do you think the way he was and the, the spirit he had and, you know, obviously it didn't make it any easier going through it, but what was that experience like? Um, and what do you think he taught you through it all during the difficult days? You know, it's interesting because people sometimes have a hard time understanding this, but I am so tremendously blessed and I'm living my worst nightmare. And those seem to be in conflict, but because Andrew was such a big part of my heart, the void is that big, it's that great, and it can never be filled. There will never be, can you move on? I had somebody ask me one time, they said, if you knew back before Andrew was born, what would transpire in his life? And you could have said, I don't want to be Andrew's dad, that's just too much, or whether you would continue forward, what would you do? I said, that's easy. I'm, I take Andrew and be Andrew's dad. I will always be Andrew's dad. And even if he was only here for 14 years and 10 months, Andrew continues to live on. How have we dealt with this? I'm not going to lie to you. It has been extremely painful because Andrew was like the glue that held our family together. We said we're a family of four and, and we're tight and, and we're so fortunate. And to have that kind of loss, my son's bedroom has, is unchanged from 2007. I walk into that room every morning when I'm home and every night before I go to bed. And I miss Andrew. And Chris does and Allie does. And I talk to him. Hmm. I carry his picture with me every day. I wear a, a, a cross that he wore every day. Um, I grieve every day. But I also am inspired by Andrew every day and Allie. I mean, this is, you know, oftentimes I think the people that get forgotten are the siblings. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they don't, they don't left in the corner in the dark and, and, and don't have the attention. And um, Allie is heroic in her courage and, and her grace. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, in my own personal case, 
Um, my faith um, is what carries me on. And I know I will see Andrew someday. I, in the eulogy, which you should never, ever have to eulogize your child. But in my eulogy to Andrew, one of the things I said was, Andrew, you have given me the best reason to be the best person I can be so I can be reunited with you someday. And I truly mean it. That's, um, man, I just, uh, wow. You know, um, life can, you know, I actually have a quote here that has gotten me through some tough times and I want to read it to you because, you know, I think it's a quote everybody should grasp onto because, um, life can be so up and down and we can go through such terrible times and then life is beautiful at the same time. And the quote is from L.R. Nost, uh, an author, and the quote is this, life is amazing and then it's awful and then it's amazing again. And in between the amazing and the awful, it's ordinary and mundane and routine. So breathe in the amazing and hold on through the awful and relax and exhale during the ordinary. And that's just living a heartbreaking, soul-healing, amazing, awful, ordinary life. And it's breathtakingly beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'll send you that quote. And, you know, everything you're saying is like, you know, one hand and the other and the beauty and the tragedy mm-hmm. and, and what you're going through is speaking the raw truth that it never goes away. Mm-hmm. You know, and that... You know, that's how, sorry, I'll just pause for one second. Um, yeah, that's what I've gone through with my brothers. And then, you know, I gave a TED talk uh, in 2017. And it was very hard to get on the, the stage and to share um, the, the journey that my family went through and the dysfunction and the mental illness, but in particular, losing my two brothers and trying to make sense of it. And, and uh, I, I really, I, I honor their life through the work I now do. And the life that they couldn't have, I try to um, do good things in the world to honor them and, and the talents that they had. Uh, but when you when you think of the Be Positive Foundation, uh, you went from, you know, selling, quitting your job to dedicating yourself to the Be Positive Foundation. And in the first couple fundraisers, selling hot dogs and making a couple hundred bucks to now millions and being the number one donor to um, children's cancer, uh, to, you know, providing for families of kids who have cancer. So can you just explain the evolution of that? And, and there, there, you said it in uh, Cal's podcast where you said, we, we give you hope and, and, and we let you know that someone cares about you. So it might be a one-time donation, but it's like a lifeline. And you know that somebody truly cares and you told the donut story, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, just talk about the evolution of the foundation and what you want people to know about it. So Part of when I say we were blessed, we had so much support when we were in the hospital. We had people bringing us meals every day and we didn't really eat much. We would put it out for the families and the nurses. And and when we left the hospital, this just felt like a calling. I I didn't feel like I could go back to to Chase as, as loyal as I was and as good as they were to me. And so we decided 
we want to be there, the safety net for other people. And at the time, we're thinking small, one family, then another family. I mean, in the early days, we, we bought a special bed so a, a child could sleep comfortably. Another time, we bought a commode because the insurance company wouldn't cover it. I mean, we're talking about a toilet. You know, this, this is not a luxury elective type item. Yeah. This is a critical item. We, what we often see is when a child is diagnosed, often, if it's a two-parent household, mom often will be the one that goes to the hospital, income goes down, expenses go up. And can you imagine being in the hospital, watching your child fight for his or her life, and you get an eviction order, or you get a notice saying your power is going to be shut off. Or, or think about this. The doctor says your child needs a certain medicine. You can't afford it. And your insurance notifies you that you're not, they're not going to cover it because it's deemed experimental. What do you do? My son died, but he, he didn't die because my income prevented us from buying a certain medicine. We gave him everything doctors needed. And when we help that child's family with a payment, we are not only paying a bill and getting a, a nuisance off of their mind so they can focus on what's most important, their child, but we're actually giving this child a better chance of surviving. And when you talk about that lifeline, the hospital is the loneliest, scariest place you can be when your child is sick. I can't tell you how many times we've heard from people where they said, thank you for showing us that somebody cares. Mm -hmm. Thank you for showing us that we were not alone. I will not meet in person 99.9% .9 of the people we help. And I'm okay with that. We had a mom send me a letter. And she said she got tired of going down to the mailbox because it was only bill collectors. She worked up the courage. She went down there and she saw the Andrew McDonough B Positive Foundation envelope. She opened it up. And there was a check. She said she literally fell to her knees in tears. We lifted her up that day. And you don't know how long for. I mean, and, and she, will, she will look back on that. And um, it's more than just paying bills. It's, it is absolutely giving hope. And if you are in that hospital and you don't have hope, uh, you are rock bottom mm -hmm. um, because we thought Andrew was going to survive for 165 of the 167 days in total that he was in there. Um, and so, you know, we started small and I will never forget being so excited walking out of that department store with about 170 bucks in my hand. So excited that we just sold, they gave us the hot dogs for free and they said, you can keep whatever money you sell. And that was going to go towards a family. And long story short, this year we will probably give out over $5 million to pay bills. But you know what? Every single family is as equally special as it was back in 2007. Because to the Jones family or the Smith family or to the whomever, it's a family, it's, it's a universe of one. And, and you know, we have you know, two thirds of our revenue comes in from college students. I mean, these are, you know, we just had our biggest event this past Sunday. And so it's, you know, we, we do these funny things like dance marathons and spinathons and boxing tournaments. And it seems silly, but these events 
are, are, are changing families' lives, and in mm. some cases, saving children's lives. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And can you just touch on the donut story? Because it was certainly oh. wasn't about the donuts, but it was about so yeah. much more than that. I love that story. It's so interesting. So the very first Saturday we were inpatient, um, a gentleman came by and dropped off a dozen donuts. I didn't know who he was and, and people were doing that kind of thing. And it was, it was very much appreciated. And the following Saturday, I later came to learn he was only planning on doing it one week. And then he got to the next Friday and said, oh, geez, I have to, I have to bring him another dozen donuts. And then the next Friday, same thought. So he ended up from January to mid-July bringing a dozen donuts every single Saturday. And it became something that put a smile on our face. I would eat, honestly, I lost 25 pounds when we were in the hospital. I, I, I would eat, you know, a bite of donut or whatever, share it with Chris. And, and then we put the donuts out for the family, for, for the other families. And uh, so like, it, it, I would say, hey, Chris, do you know what tomorrow is? And I know she'd be like, what, what's going on? Like, I'm thinking that there's a procedure or something. I said, it's donut day. And we would just chuckle. And, and it, I know it seems like, well, oh, that's real funny. No, trust me. When you're in there, that was, that, that put a smile on our face when there weren't a whole lot of smiles. Cause you know, to your earlier point, my son was intubated a, a lot of the time. He was, he was on medica medication, you know, two and three dozen medications a day. So it wasn't always possible to have a nice two-way conversation. And, and uh, I ultimately ended up meeting Donut Guy. Um, I'm, 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 I mean, that no disrespect calling him Donut Guy. Um, you know, and, and he came up to me, he goes, I'm the guy that brought you the donuts. And I gave him a big hug. And this was after Andrew had passed away. And I told him how much it meant to us. And he explained to me the whole backstory of how he couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah. And again, it meant so much more than donuts. And it goes back to oh. what you're saying about showing that, that someone cares can make such a huge difference, right? It is so, for me, the absolute worst thing you can do is something to my children. And when you're in that hospital and I'm looking at my son in that bed, begging God to put the cancer in me, switch places. I would have been the happiest 45 year old man. And I mean it sincerely. I would have had a smile on my face as I died. I knew I had saved my son's life. Hmm. And when I was doing, I was looking through your, your website and I came across the be positive cards. So are, are those still something that uh, your organization is doing? And can you tell us about yeah, that? The, yeah. So, you know, it's not an original idea, but we, we want to have, we have these be positive, pay it forward cards. And there's a little picture of Andrew and some information about the foundation. And it says, you know, you've just received a nice act of kindness, pass it on. And so we, we have those all throughout the community, the world. Um, and it keeps Andrew's memory alive. Um, I can't speak for everyone, but as a parent of a child who died, I don't want my son forgotten. Mm. And, and I want his kindness, his niceness, his love continue to be passed on. Um, if, if you don't mind, I, I'd love to tell you a story about sure. the first time I used one of these cards. I was in a party store. And there was a grandmother in front of me 
and she was in from out of town for her granddaughter's birthday and she was buying a pack of birthday plates, but she left her wallet at home. And this poor woman was a wreck and she's standing there at the register and I'm behind her and I'm so excited. I'm like, this is a great opportunity to use a be positive pay a forward card. So I pulled the card out and I said, please let me buy, you know, your order for you, you know, on behalf of my son who, who passed away three weeks ago. Um, and the, and the woman behind the counter, she knew about Andrew and she's bawling her eyes out. And I bought the car and the, the woman and I went back and forth. Of course, the, the older woman, no, no, yes, yes. Yeah. I finally got her to agree. I was feeling so good. I was feeling so warm inside. And, you know, what's it going to cost me? Three or $4. Until she leans to her left and there is a pile of merchandise there. <laughs> and she keeps pulling one thing after another. If you could have seen my eyeballs, they would have been like four inches high. And $46 later, I paid the bill and she left and and I kind of looked up to the heavens and I said, okay, Andrew, you got me on that one. I, I learned that from now on, pay closer attention before you extend that offer of paying for the order. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. I love it. Joe, for the listeners out there, and there's there's people all over the place, um, lots of different countries, but um, how can they uh, contribute? Because I, I told you what I'm going to ask my listeners to do. Um, I don't have a patron page and I've had some longtime listeners and and I want to ask them, you know, if my podcast has helped them in any way, I want them to uh, pay it forward to you and, and your foundation. So what is the easiest way for, for them to do that? I appreciate that very much. The easiest way would be to go to our website, which is www.bepositive.org. That's B as in boy, E as in Edward, positive.org. Can I make a comment about something? Sure. And I just, it's really important. People say to me sometimes, um, what's the right thing to say to somebody who lost a family member, whether it's lost brothers, lost a son. And you made me think of this earlier in our conversation. I don't ever want people to apologize for their feelings, you know, embrace the grief and, and it is perfectly understandable. And when I see people get upset and they'll say they get upset and they go, Oh, I'm sorry for crying. Don't, don't apologize for crying that, that you should cry. If you lost your wife or your brothers or your son, you should cry. And the other thing I would say is when you see me, ask me about Andrew, Ask me to tell a story. You keep his memory alive. Mm -hmm. Some people are so uncomfortable. They will come up to me and talk about everything under the sun, but Andrew, because they're afraid they're going to remind me that my son died. Trust me. I know every minute of the day that my son died. And if you say, hey, I got this story about Andrew and you see me cry, don't feel bad. That's okay. You know, I love hearing stories about Andrew. I love hearing you, you know, you tell some silly thing that he did. Um, what we don't want is 
the memory of our loved ones erased. So please share those stories while you have them. Yeah, that's beautiful Thank advice. You. That's beautiful advice. Lastly, just the last question I want to ask you, if you could hear him speaking to you right now, what would he be most proud of in you? Wow. You know, you talk about you want to honor your brothers by the way you live. And I want to honor my son the way I live. I clearly also want to honor my daughter and my wife, but um, everything I do, I do because I want to make Andrew proud. Um, and I talk to him all the time. And I, I hope Andrew's proud. I believe Andrew's proud. Um, I think he's probably cracking up a little bit up in heaven, thinking that, you know, people around the world know his name. Um, he thought he was going to be famous for baseball or soccer. Um, we didn't think that this was going to be the path that we were going to be on. Um, I just, uh, I hope Andrew's proud. I miss him. I can't wait to hear his laugh and I can't wait to hold him. I just can't, I can't wait to hold my, my, my buddy. Um, I am so lucky to be Andrew and Alan's dad. Beautiful. Joe, I really want to thank you for the time. Um, I'm so happy I found your podcast through Cal and that's the way the world works. You know, just, just, you know, by chance you, you learn something new every day. And I'm just so happy that I learned your story and I reached out to you soon after, I think it was the next day I went for a run and I was thinking, okay, there's, there's the idea. I'm going to contact him. I'm, I'm going to try to do whatever I can do. And you got back in touch with me almost immediately. And then we worked out um, today uh, that you come on the show. So I, I really believe the universe kind of comes together in, in really special ways um, for special Absolutely. reasons. Uh, and I'm eternally grateful that that uh, you could share your story on my podcast. And I, I hope my listeners can can reach out to you and um, and donate to your cause. And I really thank you for your time, Joe. And, and I hope to meet you one day in person. I would love that very much. Thank you, Andy. Okay. So I'm going to close off the show, Joe. Then I just want to say goodbye to you. Okay. So everybody, thank you very much for listening to this episode with Joe McDonough. And I hope you come back to listen to future episodes. Andy Vassily.